Tim Bosma trial started in mid-January. We are now approaching mid-May, and the Crown has just wrapped up its case. The defense will begin presenting its case on Wednesday. Dellen Millard, we are told, will not take the stand, will not offer a defense. We don't know if Mark Smitch will take the stand, but he will be launching a defense. So we've heard months and months and months and months of testimony. It has really been a constant flow of information. If you've been following this case, you understand that. If you haven't, though, you know that it's been going on and you're sitting there with people around you at work, at your home, at school, wherever, talking about this and you're kind of out of the loop because, you know, when a trial goes on for this long, if you don't get into it at the start, it's really hard to sort of jump in partway through. I, I use the example of a mini series, but it's true. It's really hard if you miss out the beginning to get engaged or to follow or to jump in. So the next few minutes, we are going to take... 12, 13, 14 minutes to summarize what we know. This is, for lack of, it's, I almost hate to use this, but for lack of a better description, this is going to be the Reader's Digest version, the Coles Notes, the, the Bosma trial for dummies, basically. If you have not paid attention and you want to catch up, this is the place to be. This is where you're going to learn about it. Molly Hayes has covered, I believe, every single day of the trial. She joins me now. Molly, thanks for doing this. No problem. Thanks for having me. I, I'm amazed, quite frankly, that you are still upright and retaining fluid after this many days in court of the same trial. It is a remarkable, uh, grueling marathon, but congratulations for doing it so far, and I know it's not done yet. Um, oh, thank you. Molly is a tremendous storyteller, as you know, if you read The Spectator. So we're going to do something a little different here. Normally, I would just start asking questions of Molly, but I thought it was easier tonight, since she's been there. Molly, I'm going to open the floor to you, and just walk us through from the Crown's case that what we've heard over the last four months, walk us through the story from their perspective, from the Crown's perspective of what happened the night in question that got us to this point today. Sure. So there, there's been a lot of information, as you say. So the Crown has called a, a whopping 91 witnesses. So since February 1st, when the trial officially started, we had a couple weeks of, of jury selection before that. But since February 1st, we've heard from almost 100 people um, essentially, uh, the allegations are Del Millard and Mark Smith are co-accused of the first-degree murder of Tim Bosma. Um, he was the Ancaster dad. He disappeared on May 6, 2013, um, three years ago, last Friday. He was taking two men for a test drive of a pickup truck that he was selling online. Um, his wife, Charlene Bosma, testified. Uh, she recalled the two men coming down the driveway that night. Um, he left with two men. He never returned. The Crown says their their theory is that he was shot in his truck and then burned in an incinerator. So we heard for a long time um, before this trial that, that his remains were found burned beyond recognition, which is kind of one of those details that's just so hard to imagine. Um, and so the trial has definitely um, filled in some of those blanks and some of those questions that people had. Uh, so the Crown's theory is that he was burned in an animal cremator that was owned by Dylan Millard um, outside his family's air hangar at the region of Waterloo Airport. Uh, so amongst the evidence that the Crown's presented, a, a big part of it was digital evidence, which I think was kind of one of the, the more interesting parts of this trial in, in comparison to others. Um, we saw so many text messages and call history and uh, files seized from computers and iPads and, and cell phones. Um, and 
that was definitely a big part of them piecing together uh, their case. So some of the key pieces were text messages sent from and between the two accused, um, both on May 6, 2013 and kind of in the days surrounding that, uh, where they talk about mission. And mission has been a kind of a key phrase throughout this trial. The Crown says that that's a term that um, Millard and his friends, including Mark Smith, used to describe um, criminal activities that they were performing. So we heard one example. Um, a couple friends testified that they took part in the theft of a bobcat back in October of 2012 that Del Millard had kind of organized. Um, although we, we heard from others as well, uh, it's fair to say, that they say he, he used the term mission to describe pretty innocuous tasks as well, like going to the grocery store or whatever he was doing. Um, but the Crown says that missions describes uh, nefarious activity. So in this case, we saw text messages from around the night of the 6th. Um, specifically that night, there's one sent from Della Millard's phone to his girlfriend, in which he says he's going, he has a mission, and if it, um, if it goes, it'll be an all-nighter, uh, and if it flops, it'll be two hours. And then later on, he, he updates her to tell her it's an all-nighter. Um, so that's, that's kind of one of the, the key themes of these missions, um, and the, the digital communication between kind of all the key players. We also heard, of course, a lot of physical evidence. Um, some of these details we knew before the trial. Um, Tim Bosma's truck was found in a trailer in Dylan Millard's mother's driveway up in Kleinberg, which is in the Vaughan area. Um, the, the key to that truck was found on his key ring when he was arrested while driving in uh, Mississauga. The incinerator, which police have said contained Tim Bosma's remains, were found on a farm property owned by Millard in the Waterloo area. They say that the, the actual burning note took place at the air hangar and that it was then moved. Um, we saw video surveillance taken from businesses around the hangar and kind of en route from Tim Bosma's house to the air hangar uh, that the Crown alleges shows kind of different steps of their journey that night and also in the days following when these key pieces of evidence they say were moved. Um, we also heard from a lot of people that were in their lives just kind of to get a glimpse into uh, their lifestyles and their frame of mind around this time. Two key people obviously were their girlfriends. We heard from Marlena Menezes and Christina Nudga who were two of the, the final and definitely key witnesses. Um, Marlena Menezes had information that she gave the jury uh, about the days after Della Millard's arrest. So he was arrested on May 10th. Mark Smith wasn't arrested until May 22nd. So in those 12 days, she testified that Mark Smith um, was definitely becoming more paranoid after Millard's arrest. And though he didn't tell her a lot uh, right off the bat, she said she slowly got information out of him. And Millard told, or, or Smith, I should say, sorry, Smith told her that it was Millard who had murdered Tim Bosma, that he was just there. He said that he was gone, gone, um, and that he had shot him. So Menezes testified as well that, that Smith told her he had the gun, but that he buried it in the woods. Um, Nudga, on the other hand, she wasn't quite so forthcoming. She claimed to have very little memory of uh, most of this time frame. She kind of the what separates from her from Mark Smith's girlfriend is that she's charged with being an accessory after the fact of the murder. So as as Smith's lawyer pointed out during his cross-examination, um, 
there's very good reason for her to have a selective memory, let's say. Um, he argued that that's in her favor, that anything but that, if she did know what she was doing that night, if she did remember, would be evidence against her. Uh, she obviously agreed but said that's not true, that she truly doesn't remember, and she didn't ask any questions. Um, the allegations against her that she was with Stella Millard the night of May 9th when he moved the truck up to Kleinberg and when he moved the incinerator into the woods at his farm. Let me jump in for a second here, Molly, and and, yes. and ask three of, I think, probably the key questions that if, if someone is just jumping into this trial now and would want to know. First thing, why... Was Tim Bosma chosen for this, and did they did the Crown allege that he was always going to be a murder victim? So the Crown uh, specified in their opening that these were strangers, that Tim Bosma had never met these men, these men had never met Tim Bosma. Um, their lives intersected because of a truck. That's the Crown's theory. So purely um, by fate. Yep, because because they wanted a truck and he had a truck. That that is. That is what their their theory is. And we heard from a friend of Millard's who said that on May 4th, so two days before Bosma disappeared, that Millard had shown him um, a photo of a truck he'd been looking at on Kijiji and asked him, should I steal the truck from the a-hole, let's say, or the nice guy? So according to that guy's testimony, um, it, it wasn't necessarily Tim Bosma. We've heard that he also went on a test drive on May 5th, the day before Tim Bosman disappeared, um, or at least that Mark Smitch and another man did. Uh, so, so there's no um, there's no allegation here that Tim Bosman was personally targeted anyway. That's something that the trial has definitely made very clear. Okay, so question number two people might have if they've just been trying to catch up on this now. Has the Crown made a case or tried to establish who it was who was actually the person who shot him? No, that's something we haven't heard, and it's not something they've addressed. Um, it's possibly something that could come up in, in um, Smitch's defense if he were to take the stand. Uh, but without either of the two accused taking the stand, it's kind of a hard thing to, um, to ascertain. We did hear about a shell casing that was found in the back seat of the truck when police found it in Gullard's mother's driveway. Um, but there was definitely a lot of back-and-forth debate between the two defense lawyers about whether it would have fallen in the back seat or whether it could have rolled during the drive and, and kind of how it ended up there. Um, and because, again, uh, the murder weapon, as we heard from Menezes, um, Smitch is alleged to have buried it. There are definitely um, some questions remaining around that. How the question, third question, how long after Bosma left with these two guys in the truck does the Crown say that he was killed? Um, I mean, I don't think given a specific time, but he left his house around 9 p.m. on May 6th, and the allegation is that this um, incineration took place in the very early hours of May 7th. So this this was pretty quick. I mean, um, the drive from his house out to the hangar, I mean, that's a, an hour, hour and a half, I'm not sure of the exact time period, but um, the, the allegation is that this was pretty quick. I mean, that that's their... That's their theory, right? That if this was um, planned out, that this uh, it wasn't a fluke, that it happened shortly after he left his house and, and they knew where they were headed. If Mark Smitch, when he takes the stand or when he mounts his defense, if he were to do what you said and say that it was Dellen Millard who pulled the trigger, and I think probably that would probably make a lot of sense. I, I have a feeling after four months of this, he's not going to say, I did it. Can Dellen Millard change his mind? Can his lawyers change their mind and mount a defense and him take the stand? Or have they locked themselves into now not doing that? 
question. I, I be, my understanding is that no, that they've made their election and that there there is no taking the stand. It's also important to make clear that it's it's not certain that Mark Smith is going to take okay. the stand. Okay. It's very uncommon. Um, my understanding, anyway, that uh, people accused of first degree murder do take the stand. So um, it, it's possible that we'll hear from any number of witnesses uh, for Mark Smith's defense, and it won't actually be him himself. When the Crown has been laying out this case over the last four months, what are one or two, or if there's more that you need to get to, what are some of the main areas that the defense, if there are, has really taken issue with and have argued vigorously that the Crown is way off track on what they're saying? Where where have the real arguments and the real um, fights on the stand been? I mean, again, the shell casing was definitely a contentious issue. There was a lot of back and forth about whether um, when a gun is fired, if it would land um, in the area of of where this uh, shot was fired or if it could roll throughout the truck. Um, The the kind of nitty-gritty logistics of that was definitely a contentious issue. We've also heard a lot of back and forth um, about the two accused personalities. So, uh, for example, in the beginning, um, Charlene Bosma gave testimony that there were two men that came down the driveway, that one of them was uh, tall and confident and outgoing, and the other one was kind of sketchy and hung back. Um, so, for example, we heard from Del Millard's lawyer, who kind of honed in on this idea of a sketchy guy, that he seemed um, weird and kind of unsettling, whereas Mark Fitch's lawyers would cling to this idea of being outgoing and confident, and the word manipulative came up many times during the trial. So that kind of back and forth definitely uh, we've seen quite a bit throughout this, and, and this idea of... Um, Millard as this kind of manipulative friend versus Smitch as this kind of wild card sketchy guy. Uh, those have definitely been some things that, that either side has tried to highlight. We just have a minute or so left, but w- with what you know about this so far, w- can you guess, I mean, wh- where, where does a defense go with this? Is it your anticipation that it is going to be a finger pointing at the other guy defense, or is it going to be an abject denial that that Millard or Smith from their two different sides were ever even there? You know, I, it's it's impossible to say. I mean, it would be um, maybe easier to guess if there were both of them taking the stand, but now that we know there's at most one of them, if at all, uh, it's, it's hard to say um, where the fingers would point. Um, but has either side, has either lawyer, has either defense lawyer tried to make a case at any point along the way that their client was not in the truck? Uh, you know what? It, it hasn't been um, directly acknowledged. I mean, it, it's not a case with admissions. Um, there are very few kind of agree of facts. In this case, um, we've, I mean, again, when Charlene Bosma talked about him leaving with two men that night, they were referred to as the tall guy and the sketchy guy. So it's not said that it was him leaving with Dale Millard and Mark Smith. It's him with two men. So, um, yeah, like it's finger pointing to an extent, but but not, we've never kind of got that explicit with it. Um, I think at this point, I mean, again, the onus is not on them, uh, right? right? It's the crown right. that has, has to prove their case. So, um, I mean, Smith's defense could be um, very kind of, technical clarifications it could be him himself it could really go anyway at this point 
Stay tuned. The defenses take their case to the jury beginning on Wednesday. Molly will be there. Molly, really appreciate you doing this tonight. Really appreciate you taking the time to break it down. No, thank you. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.